today I want to talk to you about positioning your legacy. Because when we encounter the Father, we, we are positioned in victory, we're positioned in love, we're, we're, we're restored, we're healed. And so today I want to talk to you about your legacy. One of the values of Networks Church is that to see communities and lives transformed one supernatural encounter at a time. And so how do we do that? How, do we, how can we go to, into our communities and see them encounter Jesus? And that's one of my heart cries is to see not just people come to church and say, but the streets, your neighbors, people at your, your jobs and schools, because you carry a testimony of salvation with you guys wherever you go. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you already have an encounter. Yet when we, when we walk in that, that victory, it's, it's the platform that, that becomes someone else's launching pad for their destiny and to encounter truth and to live victorious. It's your, it's your ceiling becomes someone else's floor. Um, I heard it a lot through ministry school, and, it's, and actually it's quite prevalent to, to really grab onto that truth that everything that we're forerunning in becomes someone else's, ce- our, uh, plat- excuse me, becomes someone else's floor. So my ceiling is Audrey's floor. My ceiling of breakthroughs that I have, no matter where you're at in life, is your floor as well. That it's a constant building and seeing God glorified in our lives. And the title of my message is today, Your Ceiling is Someone's Floor. One of, the, one of the ways I believe that we can do that is when we position our legacy is actually we have to forcefully encounter the Father. We need to forcefully encounter God to advance our legacy. Forceful can mean commanding, compelling, convincing. A really good story of that encounter is actually with Jacob. For a lot of you that may know Jacob and Esau in Genesis, there were twin brothers. And Jacob, for just for a little bit of background, Jacob um, heard that his brother Esau was going to basically receive an inheritance. His brother was this kind of apparently hairy man, as the story goes, and Jacob overheard it, as well as his mom. His mom said, hey, go put some furs on so you can fool your father so you can receive the inheritance. I think that kind of represents a lot of the world today, hungry to try to manipulate lives and families to receive an inheritance when they actually can have it freely from the father. It's a lie that we actually easily grab onto, not knowing that actually we're not positioning ourselves for a legacy when we try to fool those to receive love. In Genesis 32, 24 through 31 is where I'm just going to touch on that story. So that's this, the background. So Jacob actually fooled his father into receiving the inheritance. Esau finds out. Can you imagine what a twin brother would do? Well, if you're going to do that, well, <laughs> I'm going to come at you. Jacob's on the run, and, it, and when he's on the run, it says this. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man, capital M, that's God, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, wrestling all day. Now, I don't know. I didn't really dig into the whole lot, but did that start in the morning, go throughout all the day and throughout all the night to the next morning? I don't know. Maybe it just started at some time in the day and went into the next morning. That's a long time to be wrestling. <laughs> and I'm sure that, ha- that wrestling probably has a lot of different connotations to it, but you get the idea. 
Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he, being God, touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. Hold on to that, that statement. So when he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. That moment, because Jacob forcefully advanced his legacy without even knowing it, became someone new. His, his, his name became a legacy for a nation. His ceiling became a nation's floor. We need to be compelled to want to encounter the Father. It's got to be more than just showing up to church on Sunday. It's got to be a heart position every day that we wake up, we go, thank you, Father. It's because your mercy that I'm sitting here today. I'm breathing. It's your mercy that actually that I have the opportunity to actually carry testimony, breakthrough, whatever it might be, love, ultimately, to people around me. So, but we as a church sometimes, I think, can lose vision when we don't really have a determination to see people encounter the Father. It's too easy to sometimes just to come in and be part of a, of a, of a, a service. But what about just taking that out every day where we go? Because we owe the world an encounter. We owe the world an encounter. And today, if you haven't actually really encountered the Father's love, I, just, I keep on saying this time and time when I'm up here. Today is your day to encounter truth. Today is your day to encounter love to encounter power in something that, that you can't explain. Because God's love is just bigger than we can probably ever really, I think, take a hold of. So how can we forcefully create our legacy? We've been talking a bit on meditating on God's promises, finding a couple people to pray with, about being better together. And it really does come to first starting with you individually in a secret place. So number one, you can write this down. Seek him to apply truth. Seek him to apply truth. See, when we actually are believing lies of, say, it could be anything. Oh, you're not worthy. You're never going to get healed. You're never going to see that breakthrough. You're never going to be restored. You're never going to find peace. When we believe that, you're giving more power to the lie than actually what God's already said. Actually, I already paid for that. Why are you holding on to this delusion that, oh, I'm not cool. I don't get to hang out with the cool kids in school or, or you know, I, it's, it's not cool that I actually, do, actually represent something so pure and so powerful that actually I got to be influenced by the world to receive that identity. One of the ways we can, can step into encountering the Father and forcefully create our legacy is by meditating on His Word, on His promises. That's one of our next steps as a church, and it has to happen individually. Dave Harney said it. I loved it last week. I believe it was, 
that, yes, we can go and cut off things in people's lives. We can see things broken over people's lives. But one of the key things to understand is the why did that thing grow in the first place? Why did that thing have the power and authority actually to manifest in your life? One of the things I know for me is that if I have something all of a sudden kind of sprout up in my life, it's because I haven't allowed God's word to saturate and take power over that thing because I've given more, I guess, nutrition to the lie than I had to his, his truth. See, meditating on his truth creates a momentum for us to walk in victory. If we don't actually value his word and his promises, I want to ask you, then do you really value Jesus? If you don't value God's word, you can't value Jesus. To me, that's lukewarm. That's probably worse than being lukewarm. His word is living and powerful. And it says in Hebrews 4.12, I'll illustrate The word of God is living and powerful. His word is living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Woo. His word is living and powerful. It is able to... I don't know how you get something so sharp that it cuts into the spirit realm. <laughs> the only way I know is by his promises and his truth. So today, if you actually are holding on to things that are weeding out God's purpose and destiny in life, then let his word come in and cut it away. Let it uproot the, the deception and the filth that might be trying to get, take your peace, take your, your victory, and let it come in and say, I love you. I have called you to be a son and a daughter. I called you to encounter and to position yourself as a victor in this life. One of the things I've learned in my life and in uh, through ministry school, and I've heard it from, from, I call it Papa Bill, in ministry school, Bill Johnson. He says, he reads, and I do this myself, read until you hear God talk. He's, he'll read 20 chapters until he hears God speaks in his life. Why don't you today maybe take that step and encounter the Father in his word? Spend time with him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to empower you. He wants you to encounter his peace and his love and all that he, care, he is and has paid for for your life. Because Our legacy is to see the mandate of heaven invade earth through us. Number two, so yeah, seek him in, in knowing his truth. And I think we do this really well. Seek out spirit-filled believers. What are you doing in your life, in your, in your family, and in, in your friendships about seeking other, others that believe? We're not meant to do life alone. We never have been meant to do it alone. God created Adam and Eve in his image so he could be in relationship. God's always been about relationship. If you think that you can go do your life and live as a Christian and live powerfully by yourself, well, I, I'm telling you one thing, you're not probably believing the right, the right doctrine. <laughs> we're meant to do this journey together. That's why we say it here in this church, we're better together. 
I know many a times if I didn't have someone in my life that spoke in my life and could surround me and encourage me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. If I didn't have people praying for me at the time when I was wandering in, in the desert, building my testimony, <laughs> I wouldn't be here speaking to you guys today. I would have been doing my own thing. Probably, who knows where I'd be. Probably medicated in some place else, thinking that that's the way to go. To be true. To be honest. Because when we are in relationship with community, we are being the body of Christ. As you have opportunities to be part of, like, we talk about all the time, we hold up the connect cards. Are you involved with a, a group of people here? Are you doing life? Are you playing cards? Are you going out having fun with, with the body. You know, it's not always about being s- so serious that we lose track of actually enjoying one another, enjoying God's love in, in, in the body and, and, and just living in peace. I love in the, the word that, you know, you didn't really saw a whole lot of uh, things mentioned about people doing things by themselves. Look at Acts 2.1. On the day of Pentecost had come, had fully come, they, that's more than one person, they were all in one accord in one place. Holy Spirit came and crashed in on, on people because they were forcefully seeking God's presence. They were actually intent and, and seeing and determined to see God's love come and manifest on their lives because they were told a promise. God wouldn't speak something into your life without backing it up. And you can find that in community. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, For there where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there also in their midst. He didn't say, well, there are just one in my name. So it's about being together. It's about seeking community, seeking believers. A little story I have to go along to actually finding a value that in my own life was in first year. A lot of breakthrough happened in first year, but... Uh, it's all about identity, but we're a part of a group of people, a student body of a 1,200, but out of that, we're in our revival groups, so about 70 people, roughly. And I had my pastor, his name was Dave Harney, which sometimes I get confused with Dave Har- Harvey, Har- Harney, <laughs> Harvey Harney. Uh, he's also Australian. Dave Har- um, Harvey, <laughs> see, I just have to do, I have to, I have to think. <laughs> Dave <laughs> Harvey is this amazing Australian man, and he brought his family, he did school, and then was a pastor at the time. He's now the leader of Global Legacy with Bethel. He took Paul Manwaring's place. But uh, Dave is just this man that's always speaking truth into our lives. He says, you are powerful. You are powerful. Why don't we grab onto that simple truth today? You are powerful. You are powerful. And we're... In the middle of the school year, and um, to be in, in the ministry school, you had to pay to be able to do it. It wasn't free. It wasn't like, oh, if you want to just come, just be part of it. No, you actually had to pay actually a substantial amount of money to be part of that, that, that equipping. And through halfway through the school year, you know, the school is gracious, and they'll give you a lot of grace and try to get monies raised, but there were about five, probably five students in our group alone that were about to be pretty much expelled from the program because they didn't have the monies. Now, we have people from all around the world coming on faith. A lot of them came, easily paid for their tuition. Others were gonna, came in with part of it. You know, there's all kinds of journeys of 
financial journeys in the school of ministry, but there were five students that actually are like, this was their last day, and if they didn't see breakthrough, they were going to have to come back until they had the money. This is where I got to see that actually seeking out spirit-filled believers and being part of community was solidified in my life. At this time, these students were standing out there, and Dave encouraged us, and we all came around them. We were praying over them and speaking truth into them and speaking promises that God is going to come through. And I loved seeing that, wow, we can actually do this as a body. We don't have to just be just doing this thing by ourselves. And as we sat down, um, I just watched people, students who probably had $20 on themselves, they're probably their only means for buying food for the week, willing to sacrifice that to see these guys come through and invest into revival. I saw students give these guys standing in the center of our room in front of more people than here, being, having cash at their feet. I saw one student that I didn't even know. He apparently was pretty wise in, in stewarding um, some investments. He said to one of them, I'll pay your full tuition, which was about $2,500. He said he just, without hesitation. I watched that day see love come through in community. I watched these students break down weeping because their heart was so set to see their lives transformed in this school, but they couldn't do it on their own half. You can't do this journey by yourself. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And then if you jump down in, in, from chapter 12 into verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are all the body of Christ. There's not one of you here that is insignificant in this body. There's not one of you here that is, is purposeless. You all have purpose and destiny. Because our legacy is to be positioned to see the mandate of heaven released in everything that we do and that we breathe. Number three, and I'll end with this point. Seek out believers who want encounters. Seek out believers who want encounters. We each hold a great measure of truth. We each, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you actually have probably one of the most powerful, most glorious testimonies. And that's that Jesus came in and eradicated all your sin. He made you, took away the old man and gave you a new man. This, that right there is your starting point of your legacy. You're a forerunner. This church is a forerunner. I've heard it been prophetically declared. I'm a forerunner, even in my family, to actually be doing what I'm doing. But in, in life, we're all forerunners. We're all creating a legacy. And it's up to you how you want that legacy to be carried on. Are you positioning yourself to encounter the Father? Are you positioning yourself and forcefully saying, no, today, that's it. Father, I can't do anything in my life without you giving me the peace and the truth and the power and authority. I know I want my daughter to go say, wow, my God was so hungry for the Father. And I want her kids and my heart's desires to see a legacy in a generation of individuals hungry at the Father and the more of God.
we can all do things together, but if you're not burning with others, then that's kind of uh, probably not productive. When I was in England, in my first year of ministry school, after having many encounters with a father, being actually fueled with expectation that God can do anything, and he's the God of impossibility. We were in Bristol, England. We were ministering, and I had the opportunity to go with a group of people out into the city of Bristol, which is a beautiful town. And they wanted to go and evangelize and, and kind of do this, what's called a, a treasure hunt. And we all had items on our list, and we asked Holy Spirit, what do you want us to look for? What are the flags you want us to find so that we can um, see you encounter individuals? We actually, surprisingly, found one person towards the end who marked pretty much 90% of our list as we sat down because we were trying to do it on our own accord. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, sit down and you watch. I'll just bring that person to you. And sure enough, as we sat in the plaza, out in the middle of it was a person who matched 90% of our list. I had a word of knowledge that his name began, began with an A. I thought it was, it was like Anthony or something like that. He had a clothing and the hair color and, and the, the height and everything that everyone else actually saw in the spirit. In fact, as we got ready to walk up to him with myself and another person, we had a word of knowledge of pain in our, in our body. I had one in my left leg and the girl had one in her right leg. We're like, what is going on? We're like, okay, let's just take that. We walked up to this man and said, hey, I just want to just come, come up to you. And this guy was highlighting you to us. I'm from the United States. I'm here in, in England. And, and, you know, I'm on this journey of hearing God's voice. And I just believe that he highlighted to you, you to us. First of all, is your name like, we start with an A? Is it like Anthony? And all of a sudden he was with some friends and they stopped back and they were like, whoa, what are you doing? What's going on here? He's like, yeah, my name's Anthony. <laughs> I said, do you have, so you, you match these things on our list. We had a list that we asked God for and you actually met and we showed him. He's like, whoa, yeah, that is me. I said, do you have pain in your legs? He says, yeah, I do. He said, I'm a footballer. I can't play right now because I have so much pain in my, my knees and my legs. I said, well, can we pray for you? He said, yeah, sure. And as, again, his friends are standing back like, what is going on? This is weird. <laughs> but as we prayed, this man simply encountered love. His legs that day were totally healed. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I hadn't tested out. I'm like, whoa. He's like, and he was, he was this guy, this Italian guy that was from uh, obviously Italy, and he was there, and his friends were just amazed, like, what are you guys doing? Are you guys psychic? Like, no, <laughs> no, we just love Jesus. I asked him if he loved Jesus, I mean, if he knew Jesus, and he says, well, I'm a Catholic, and I, and I offered that for him to experience salvation, but he says, yeah, let's let him go away with that seed of, of love. Totally restored. We were encouraged. Now, I couldn't have done that by myself as, as much as we probably can, I think we can do on an individual basis. But if I didn't have people that there that didn't want encountering, didn't, did not, excuse me, did not want to encounter the Father, I don't think that would have moved as easily as it did. It's like having a fire. One log on a fire will only burn just for a little bit. But when you put more logs together, the fire burns hotter. And so today, I want to encourage you, let's come together. Let's be better together. Let's seek 
the Father's presence and encounter Him. Because when we come together, a, a fire burns when there are more logs are thrown on. Let's activate our faith today. Because your mandate, your legacy, your ceiling is to be someone else's encounter. Your ceiling is someone else's floor. My ceiling is your floor. Whatever I carry, whatever I can do for you guys as a body, my ceiling is your floor because I know God's going to keep expanding that ceiling. He's going to keep doing more and more unbelievable things that we haven't even seen the start of it, I believe. There's so much exceedingly abundantly things that we're going to see in this church and in your lives. I want to encourage you. God is going to, I think, come in and crash in on you guys like you've never experienced. Your best is yet to come.